a good day everyone and welcome back to the Shedding Light podcast. It has been a while. We've not done one of these in quite some time. Uh, we've taken a little break from doing um, some sort of uh, you know, series-based content on the podcast. So this is, this is going to be a little bit of a standalone conversation. Um, and just in light of recent um, events, the strife, the conflict that has been going on uh, between Israel and Palestine and... Um, yeah, we've been sifting through quite a lot of stuff online um, on both sides of the argument. Um, and we just wanted to give a little bit of perspective. Um, and I'll hand over to Pastor Trev, who's joining us once again. Welcome, Trev. Thank you for, for joining us today. Hey, thanks, Kieran. Yeah, as you mentioned, so there was a, a flare-up at the end of Ramadan in, uh, in Israel, one of many as we go back over the years. And when it happens, inevitably, we start to see on social media uh, a whole lot of posts by Christians, um, mostly coming out of the States, but not limited. I mean, obviously, within our own country and around the world, kind of standing with Israel, statements, I stand with Israel, um, being, uh, being posted on many individuals and some ministries' uh, sites. And, and then... You know, a lot of Christians actually just asking questions uh, as to what is our view, uh, how should Christians respond, and uh, and so on. And so we just thought it'd be good for us actually just to uh, just to put out some perspectives. And I say perspectives because uh, the the issues around the Middle East, just from a socio political point of view, and also then from a spiritual point of view, um, the you know historic covenant with Israel. Yeah is a complex issue. Absolutely. And I just want to outline that right from the start in, in our discussion. That's why we're offering a perspective rather than a Bible study or any definitive view one way or the other. Yes. It's probably better to have perspectives because it is a very complex issue. And we're going to touch on some of those complexities. And uh, in that, and within this, this scope and all these, these issues, um, Christians do tend to hold things very strongly. Yeah. And so nothing wrong with holding a strong opinion, but, but it's difficult sometimes to hold a strong opinion where the narrative is just complex. And so what we want to do in the Shedding Light podcast is really just to look at some of those complexities, not to change anyone's point of view, but rather just for a greater understanding of the challenges, both theological and sociopolitical, in, um, with reference to, to Israel today, and then to try and navigate a way... Uh, through that, that is a unifying thing. And so we've got some points towards the end that are unifying in the sense that I think most Christians would actually be able to agree on. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, Trev, as you say, it is a, it is a complex issue. And so we, we've got to be careful about the way that we, we bring across our, our opinions and our yeah. thoughts, um, particularly in, in context with the the Israel and Palestine conflict, it has been a very polarizing thing. Um, it has, unfortunately, on, yeah. it's become a very polarizing thing. There's been a lot of, um, you know, attacking certain groups of people, um, and there's been a lot of generalizing as well. That if you make one comment, then you are lumped in with this group of people, and you Correct. make this comment, then you must believe. X, Y, and Z. It's this, it's, this, it's this kind of general thing that if I believe A, B, and C, I must believe X, Y, Z. That's right. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that we get to have this conversation. Definitely. So yeah. let's jump right on in um, and let's look at the theological. And by that, I mean the interpretation of how we understand 
God's covenant working out with Israel today. Yes. And then secondly, let's have a look at the socio-political situation and the complexities around that. Yeah. So to to jump in first, to look at the theological view, uh, a lot of, obviously, uh, Christians will then go to Romans 9 through 11, which uh, is where Paul addresses the whole Jewish question, the whole new covenant thing, uh, and so on. And even that uh, is, is open to a lot of different interpretation. Yeah. And it's important to understand that it's, we a, talk- it's, it's a very hot topic amongst theological it is. scholars. And yeah. it has been for a long, long time. And so uh, it's important to d- differentiate between differences of interpretation and heresy. So in other words, um, the, for example, let's just take end time theology. There are those that hold to a prelim, uh, premillennial view, those that hold to a millennial view. We're not going to get into all of that now, but both will cite scripture. Both are sincere groups looking, scholars looking at the scriptures to try and interpret what they say to us with regards to to the end times. It's different to a heresy that says, that comes along and says, ah, but Jesus could be a son of God, not the son of God. Yes. Now that's irrefutable. Yeah. That there is consistent teaching throughout scripture, Jesus is the son of God. He's never mentioned as a son or, or somebody else, as some cults and other religions would would view him as. So we're talking about interpretation versus, let's say, error. Um, And with regards to error, most Christians are united. On issues of interpretation, as you mentioned earlier, Christians can be quite divided. It's how we navigate that. And uh, and that's why I say it's good for us to hold, there's nothing wrong with holding your view, but to hold it humbly because there are well-meaning Christians and scholars that may look at it differently. Yeah. So on this continuum, if you like, on the one um, on the one side, you would have those, let's say, that are um, are pro-national Israel. In other words, they hold to God's covenant with Israel, no matter what. Trace it all the way back to Abraham. That even though the the Jewish leaders at the time rejected the Messiah, it does not change God's covenantal obligation yeah. to His people, Israel. So in this view, they hold strongly to the fact that God's covenant has not changed. A lot of the prophecies of the Old Testament relate not to the first coming of the Messiah, but to the second coming, yeah. the day of the Lord. Um, they they tend to see, and I am generalizing here because there are different views here, but they do, do tend to see the end-time scenario playing out in the premillennial view, which sees the rise of the Antichrist, uh, um, pacts with Israel, pacts broken with Israel, nations of the world warring against national Israel, yeah. ultimately God coming through to deliver his His people. And the, the sort of pro of that view is that it does take God's covenant with Israel very seriously. Uh, but the, the, the limitations of this, this view is that it tends to see a sort of separate agenda for the church and another agenda for national Israel. Mm. And as much as you can look and it, it may allude to that in Romans 9 through 11 and that it's difficult to, to kind of see, even from Paul, a converted Jew, arguing that there's kind of like the separate plan yeah. for the church and the separate plan for, for national Israel under a new covenant scenario. So there's there's just a weakness in that, in that position. And then on the other side would be those that, let's say, hold strictly to a new covenant supersedes all. Yeah. And under this view, as um, as I've just sort of described, the new covenant is the new covenant. Mm. Once Jesus came and died as an atoning sacrifice for all mankind, even though he was Jewish, fulfilling the law, 
salvation now was was wide open to all who would believe in his name. And therefore, in this kind of, on the opposite end, would then the new covenant supersedes the old covenant in, in essence. And so, yeah. and so a national people, the Jews, who were now, you know, became the spiritual people, the people of God, yes. who ever believed from every tongue, tribe, and nation. A national land as an inheritance now became a spiritual inheritance. Yes. Every blessing in Christ. And, and so the positives of this view would be that they take the new covenant very seriously. They take the whole aspect of salvation very serious, not to imply that the other group don't. It's just, you know, a, a focus then on understanding yeah. what it means, God's purposes, even for the Jews, in a new covenant scenario where now salvation is open to all, including the Jewish people. The downside, the limitation of this is that, unfortunately, unwittingly, um, it has led to a sort of a, almost an anti-Semitic view where mm. national Israel is actually irrelevant. The Jews, and, and I've heard it from well-meaning Christians, the Jews were the ones that betrayed Jesus. The Jews were the ones that didn't want him. And yeah. there's, an, there's an overemphasis on that scripture where the Jews at the time, the Jewish leaders crying out for Jesus' crucifixion, said, let his blood be mm. on us and our children. And, you know, pronunciations like the Jews are under God's curse. Yeah. And that kind of, it's not that simplistic. It just isn't. It's, again, a lot more complex. Absolutely. And so and so that, that in a nutshell, is the sort of theological continuum. Both yeah. groups actually look at Romans 9-11. Yeah. And, and they're seeing there, you know, uh, you know, God is for his people. The covenant has not changed, etc., and others say, no, it talks about God's judgment, salvation is found in, in Christ alone, yeah. etc. And that, it just requires of us a humility that says that there are differing ways to interpret the scriptures. Yeah. And, um, and whatever view you find, that's fine. The important thing is you do the due diligence and search the scriptures for yourself. Um, and if scholars down through the ages have wrestled with these issues, um, it's, it's actually okay. <laughs> we're not going to yeah. we're not going to solve it overnight, and so that just gives you an insight into the theological um, complexity of the situation. Yeah, yeah, and and as you say, Trev, it it really comes down to to interpretation, mm. and I like that you 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 very much um, you know drew the line between interpretation and heresy. Yeah, I think scripture scripture that's up for interpretation is that it is up. For interpretation, unless you're making some blanket statement that is refuted everywhere else yeah. in scripture, I can have a differing view on Romans 9-11 than you can. Yeah. And unless I have some sort of pure, perfect evidence, mm. biblical-based evidence to prove that you're wrong, it's impossible for me to outright take the stance and say, your interpretation, Trev, of Romans 9-11 is incorrect. Mine is the only correct one. Exactly. And but but we do so so easily. Know, we, we, do. we do. And we do. If you look at women in ministry, uh, yes. you know, um, and how, the, how divided the church can be on that. Yeah. And there are generally two views, as, as we know, subject for another time. But, you know, and, and I think, and this is where we're going to land this today, is that I think even while we have these different views, our heart should always be to move towards unity. So these might be the opinions or the views that divide us. However, what are the things that bring us together? And if we look for those, you generally find on most issues, there's a lot more that unites us than the things that actually hold us apart on, 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 um, on 
different opinions. Yeah. May, so, if, I, if I could just for, for one second, um, Jeff, just maybe put out some encouragement that I think particularly when it comes to, to issues of biblical interpretation, um, you know, throughout my studies now, um, when I was going through the book of Romans, you know, maybe 10% of the, the textbook and the content was um, every every other chapter of Romans. Yeah. 90% of it was dealing with 9 to 11. Yeah. <laughs> just, just because it's such, it's such a difficult thing. It is. But I think the tendency for, for us as Christians, particularly if we are not, um, if, if we don't count ourselves as being um, particularly steeped in theological knowledge, yeah. we tend to run from these difficult scriptures. But I'd probably want to encourage people to face them head on. You know, if Romans 9-11 is such a contentious scripture, read it for yourself. Go study. Yeah, go study. Read it for yourself. Figure something out. If you go onto YouTube and you type in Romans 9-11, you will find a master of theology with one view and another master of theology with another view. <laughs> so, And it's good so to, it, yeah. yeah. But it's, it's good to... To face these things head it on, is. you know, don't run away from difficult scripture. Don't don't retreat from diving into these kind of passages. Uh, read uh, read them and, and figure out where you stand on these things. And yeah, exactly. What That's partly why is. you know, as a church, we we don't often take you know a, a strong view on, on a particular that is open to interpretation. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, and and to encourage people to do that due diligence. Yeah. Seek the scriptures for yourself. Yeah. The second thing then is the socio-political issue, and this gets mm -hmm. a lot more complex. So yeah. now we wanted to just, we're not ignoring it, we just put in the theological understanding um, of the Jews as God's chosen people, etc. Um, just to one side, um, to look at the socio-political, in other words, what's happening on the ground yeah. in, in Israel today. Now, it again, let's just look at the complexities. Firstly, the Arab nations generally, those in the Middle East, do not recognize Israel's right to exist. Yep. Now, that's not particularly PC, but, um, and, and obviously there are a variety of different political parties and views, but there are religious influences in the Middle East that tend to govern some political leanings, yeah. and they do not, you know, recognize Israel's right to exist, which has always put Israel on the back foot, which is why the Israelis often argue that there can be no lasting peace until that is recognized, until their neighbors recognize their right to exist. Yep. Taken further, you have terror organizations like Hamas and Hezbollah that go further to say they actually don't only refuse to recognize Israel's right to exist, they want to see the Jews driven into the sea. Yeah. Um, and they, they literally are calling for the extermination, which is why they are labeled terror organizations. Yeah. So Israel rightly feels threatened. However, where they have unfortunately crossed the line has been in their very heavy-handed, uh, you know, tactics, often in retaliation, um, yeah. and uh, and so th that has become problematic. So it's it's almost just tit for tat, uh, yeah. You know. um, and then then you have obviously the political history. So up until just over hundred years ago, um, Palestine was a, a British territory. And um, largely made up of Palestinians who lived there, um, who, who, who were Arabs, and lived there very peacefully. And there were only a handful of Jews that lived. And yeah. they seemed to live quite peacefully. Um, they didn't, you know, really mingle much. They, they just kind of carried yeah. um, And then after, obviously, the, the successive wars of the 20th century, particularly the Second World War, which meant that Europe were left with a huge amount of Jewish refugees. That's 
you know, history shows uh, their own countries, the allies, didn't really want them back or didn't know what to do with them. Yeah. And so gravitated towards um, towards what was then Palestine. Um, the British and the United Nations then agreed um, that Palestine would be a homeland for the Jewish people to essentially migrate to after the war. Yeah. And that was the creation of the State of Israel. Uh, now, I mean, you only have to look at the land issue in our own country to realize what does it feel like? Again, we just yeah. we just put in the, the spiritual side to one side. Yeah. What does it feel like if you're an Arab and you've worked the land, your ancestor worked the land for hundreds of years, all of a sudden you you know, are, are being annexed and, um, you know, this land is being given by countries that, you know, are, are not yours and, yes, and yeah, so on, yeah. to, to these Jewish people, which historically you're, you know, are, are yeah, at yeah, enmity at, with. At, exactly. At, you, know, yeah. you know, so you can just understand the political complexity. Um, it helps us understand it's not a simple thing. Yeah. It helps us just understand the very real, real issues. And so obviously now um, Israel has been given the land and we know that there have been skirmishes, the Six-Day War, the Yom Kippur War in, in 73, um, and the, the tension that continues to exist. Uh, so obviously now you have the West Bank that were territories that were sort of conceded um, after the 73 war, uh, where Jews and Palestinians essentially live side by side. But here's the difference, that um, Amnesty International um, outlined 65 discriminatory laws that Israel imposed on the Palestinians, not Jewish people, but on Palestinians that live in the occupied yeah. territories. Um, if you just want to, to have a look and see how that's played out right now, that Israel is one of the leading nations to vaccinate their population against um, COVID-19. When I say their population, I mean Jewish people in their population. Yeah. The Palestinians, around about 1% or 2%. Jeez. That live in the same territory yeah. under Israeli law yeah. um, and governance. And so there's been this ongoing systematic um, discrimination against the Palestinian people there, from everything, economically, um, access to medical supplies, yeah. etc. So you understand why the, the Palestinians feel aggrieved and why you understand that not, um, not Christians in this, this context or even South Africans, but the world community has likened it to apartheid South Africa. Yes, yeah. And... and Unfortunately, and I say this because we would want, because of the historical nature of the Jewish people and their relationship with God, um, this not to be true. But the the, the Jewish authorities have been very heavy-handed from uh, beyond just this discrimination to retaliation, retaliating with force way beyond um, the provocation on occasion. Yeah. Um, and and also um, the you know people detained without any trial, um, torture, which has all come not from the media, not from Palestinian sources, but from Amnesty International, that have been on the ground and documented the um, the, the times often where the Israeli leaders and particularly the Israeli military have really crossed the line. That in any other context, in any other co uh, conflict in the world, would be you know in their words war crimes. Yeah. Now. That presents a challenge because of the complexity of the situation. Yeah. So when I say, when I see a slogan that says a Christian saying, I stand with Israel, my question is, what are you standing with? Mm. Are you standing with the theological notion that they're God's people, which is what I think you're standing with? Yeah. But knowing what I've just shared, I go, what do you do with those 
complex you know, issues on the ground where do you stand with the atrocities that Israel has committed mm. against the Palestinian people? I just don't know. Now, most yeah. people go, oh, I didn't know that. But I think the reason why we need perspective yeah. is we need to understand the situation is complex. Yeah. Because it, if we understand that, it just tempers our view slightly. We can still hold to, you know, what, whatever we hold to, but it helps us understand something of the complex realities on the ground. You know, one of the most marginalized people on earth are Palestinian Christians. And the reason is because, remember, they live in Palestine, which yeah. is a Muslim, you know, essentially, they're, they're you know, um, uh, historically, culturally Muslim. Yes. And so they don't get any support from their neighbors. They would be ostracized just like any other Christian in, in, um, in the Muslim world that would be kind of excommunicated generally from their families. Yeah. Um, where do they turn to? They turn to the Christian world that they see largely as support of Israel, who are persecuting them, not because they're Christians, but because they're Palestinians. Yeah. And the very people that they would look to for support in a, in a sort of a, a global sense, their brothers and sisters in countries, you know, around the world tend to, certainly their perception, you know, side with Israel. Yeah. And they're the ones feeling the discrimination yeah. at the hands of the Israelis, you know. And, and so I think as Christians, we've just got to be a little bit more sober-minded. Um, and um, and a, a lot of Christians will say, yeah, yeah, but I'm, you know, in my siding with Israel, I'm not saying that, the, but it's how they, it how it may come across. Yeah. To your point earlier, you know, we, we've just got to be a little bit more aware. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, Trev, you, you said a statement now, um, you know, people might say, you know, I didn't know that. Mm. I didn't know that this is what was going on. I think... And and I want to say this with with caution because I'm aware that there are a lot of people who have um, difficulties when it comes to maybe um, access to this kind of information. But it's becoming harder and harder to use the excuse "I don't," you know, "I I didn't know this was happening" or "I didn't mm. know this was the thing." You know, if you if you are very quickly going to um, make a statement or change a profile picture on Facebook or do something like this to, to our stand with Israel. When I look at something like that, I assume that you're keeping up to date with what's going on. And I, and I, and I assume that you are, you, you're aware of what, of what is going on. And so, and so, yes, as, as you say, Trev, when someone says I stand with this side or I stand with this side, it's, it's one statement that has a lot of depth to it. Because as you say, mm. I don't know by reading that, do you stand with the historical um, understanding? Are, are, you making a, are you making a theological statement here? Or are you making a current affair um, yeah. you know, political statement here? I think it's a good point. And I think we're not saying um, that you, you shouldn't yes. indicate where you stand. Yes. Again, our, our desire to put out these perspectives is yeah. if you acknowledge that maybe it's a little bit more complex than yeah. the kind of silver bullet, easy, sometimes cliche slogans, mm. maybe just to be a little bit more circumspect um, about, about how we, we, we put that across. You know, I was listening to one of our, our political leaders, and the ANC have obviously sided um, with the Palestinian cause. But the way they articulated it um, in, showed me that they understand the complexity of the situation. Mm. Um, and um, and explain their their desire and coming out of 
been a struggle party on the and the reason why obviously they um they make no bones about being able to identify with the Palestinians because they you know um the ANC represented the vast majority of South Africans under apartheid that yeah. were discriminated against and um discriminated against and so and so there is this understanding but but the offer of hope you know the, the that there could rise a mediator a, a man of peace like a Nelson Mandela a truth and reconciliation commission that could go a long way to addressing some of the historical mm. pains and anguish you understand that it showed that they were being circumspect yeah that although they take a position whether you agree with it or not they yeah. they at least have an understanding within that position that they've taken uh, and they were at pains to say that just because they understand the Palestinian cause mm. doesn't mean they're anti-Israel. Yes. And so so hopefully with understanding can come a broader perspective that says, I can hold my views, um, but I hold them with humility yeah. and understanding that it's a complex issue yeah. you know, and being sensitive to, um, to the very real issues and challenges in modern day Israel. You know? Yeah, and and as you say, Trev, it's also the 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 complexity that comes with trying to um, find that difference, if we can call it a difference, between a theological stance and a political stance here. Yeah, you know, and that's a difficult one. And I think a lot of people, when um, you know, particularly when the South African government came out with some sort of stance on yeah. this. Um, a lot of people re retaliated um, with a, a with a theological view mm. that somehow the South African government is going against the, the, the their theological Correct. stance on this, and and for us to to understand that, as you say, it's not as simple as that. Yeah. If I'm if I'm making a stance, let's say hypothetically. In my in my current state, and this is not this is not my view. I'm just making this as a hypothetical. If I if I'm here and now saying mm. that I I disagree with with the current um, Israeli government mm. and how they're going along with things, that doesn't mean that I um, am completely casting aside uh, God's promise to them. Correct. It is possible to hold both views, to to have this affinity. Um, for or or to potentially even be pro national Israel and look at the current state of political issues and have disdain for that if you if you want to yeah yeah so so I know this is has been a long conversation but let me give you four points that that to what you just say now um, I would say could be unifying yeah um, because these these were things that I wrestled with um, and uh, try to find my own way. In, in understanding the the challenges of um, of Romans nine three eleven and and so on, and uh, but the more I look at them in, in the light of recent events, I think they can be unifying because I would find it I would be hard pressed to find a Christian that would not be able to subscribe to these four. Look, there might be more. I'm just saying um, yeah. that that I've limited to four. So let me give them to you just um, just as we sort of bring this this podcast to to a close. Uh, the first is. That in Psalm 122, verse 6, it says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And no matter what side of the view you are, uh, theologically, yeah. there it is in the Bible. Just like, for example, it says, pray for your leaders, your political rulers. When I'm praying for Cyril Ramaphosa, our president, I'm not, it does not imply that I agree with everything that he does. It does not imply that I agree or support the ANC. 
it's not a political thing. It's a spiritual thing. I'm called to pray for my leader. Yeah. And so I do that out of obedience to the word of God. So regardless of your view on the Jewish question on national Israel and so on, the Bible says pray for the peace of Jerusalem. How I might pray given the, my view, well, that's up to me. But we should be praying nonetheless. And, and I think it's as a reminder and a challenge, we could all be doing more of that, actually, yeah. to be praying regularly for the peace of Jerusalem yes. and, and Israel by extension. The second thing is that, again, regardless of your view, as a Christian and to the Christian church as a whole, we owe Israel and the Jewish people a debt of gratitude. And what I mean by that is let's have a look at, um, at Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9, verse 4 and 5. This is, what, this is what Paul says. Paul, a Jew. He says, the people of Israel, theirs is the adoption of sons. Theirs the divine glory, the covenants, the receiving of the law, the temple worship and the promises. Theirs are the patriarchs. And from them is traced the human ancestry of Christ, who is God over all, forever praised. Enough said. Yeah. You know, in other words, the Messiah that you and I have salvation today because a man was born to a Jewish family through a Jewish lineage under a covenant that he completely fulfilled mm -hmm. that all may have salvation. Yeah. How, wherever I sit on the fence, uh, I, I mean, on the other side, whatever my view, yeah. I should have a debt of gratitude to, to the Jewish people um, for the Messiah. And, and God's eternal plan that called a man, Abraham, that gave birth to a nation, Israel, that gave birth to a Messiah, Jesus, yeah. and through whom all have salvation. And so we have a debt of gratitude. However, and whatever that means to you, I get concerned when I hear Christians. And I've heard there's a, there's a pastor um, who does not preach on the Old Testament because they're, well, God's done with the Jewish people. We don't have anything to learn anymore. Mm. Just preaches the New Testament. Now I go... Where's your gratitude and your understanding of God's eternal purpose yeah. that points to the whole of the Old Testament, points to the yeah. Messiah, showed us sin, etc. Absolutely. So, so the second thing is, in a nutshell, is that we as Christians should owe the, the Jewish people in Israel a debt of, of gratitude, at least historically, um, for the gift of the Messiah through whom we have redemption and salvation. The third point is that it would be, regardless of your view where you sit, it would be foolish to just write off Israel today and God's purposes because we simply, we simply just don't know. Yeah. Romans 11, Romans 11 verse 25, Paul still writing um, in that sa the same passage. He says this, I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers. Now, whenever Paul says mystery. It's a mystery. It's a mystery. <laughs> if Paul did not figure it out, yes. you and I probably were. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So mystery means mystery. We're not going to fully understand this. But this is what he goes on to say. So that you may not be conceited. Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the full number of the Gentiles has come in. Again, what that means? Difficult passage to interpret. Yeah. And so all Israel will be saved, as it is written. The deliverer will come from Zion. He will turn godlessness away from Jacob. And this my covenant with them when I take away their sins. As far as the gospel is concerned, there are enemies on your account. But as far as election is concerned, they are loved on account of the patriarchs. For God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. And so it goes on. Now, difficult passage to interpret. There are different interpretations. But it alludes 
it alludes to God not being finished with his people. Mm. It alludes to this time when the Jews will be saved. I know you can dismiss that and say, well, the Messiah has come, that kind of I don't know if it's that simple. My point being, regardless of your view, I think we should be open to the fact that yeah. God, that God is true to his covenant, even when we are not. And what that looks like, we just simply don't know. And if Paul alludes to it as a mystery, um, then maybe it is. What I'm saying is that um, we don't have to hold to national Israel and, and all the rest to at least hold to the fact that I can't dismiss what's happening in the Middle East and God working his purposes through his people just outrightly. I think that yeah. would be a mistake, regardless of your view. I think what is better is at least to be open. So, for example, for me, I, I'm not trying to connect every dot from, from a lot of these American guys that, that, that see Israel as central to the prophetic fulfillment at the end of days and all the rest. Um, and and they you know every little thing that happens every little yeah. pack that sound off all they see in scripture and that kind of thing. and with great respect to them you know it, it's like yeah. we are um, you know because I think some of it is twisted scripture mm -hmm. you know you really got yeah, to stretch you're, re anyway. you're, re you're reading a lot into that it so. is but it is that kind of dispensational primal view that many many Christians hold to and and I'm fine with that um, it's just not where, where I, I sit hard and fast however yes. however I am open to events that may well turn out to be quite significant. In other words, simply put, the view that says there is an antichrist that will rise up, make this peace with Israel, then break that peace, etc. In their view, uh, I'm going, I don't have to look for that, but if an antichrist figure did arise at the end of days and make that thing, then I would go, aha, maybe this is yes. scripture being fulfilled. Yeah. In other words, I'm not looking that it has to happen, but I'm not going to rule it out. Yeah. And I'm open to that. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. So, and it's humility. Yeah. And it's that, humility. Really. That we're not going to figure it all out, but I think it would be a mistake to just write off what's happening in the Middle East. Yeah. Here's what we don't know. When Jesus died and paid the atoning sacrifice for the sin of the world and the new covenant was instituted, how God then saw the old covenant, the existing covenant. Because mm. clearly the new covenant does supersede the old covenant. What that meant from God's perspective towards yeah. his people, Israel, Yes. We don't know. Yeah. We don't know. Yeah. Paul kind of talks about it yeah. in Romans 9-11. But, but it no is open to yeah. interpretation. And because I don't know, I'm not prepared to go, well, well, he's just done with Israel. I think that would just mm. be too simplistic. I think that, that God being God, who is faithful to the end, even when we are unfaithful, I can't rule out that, that in some way he is not, you know, he's not forgotten his promise. Um, how that works out, I'm, I'm not sure, but I'm open to it. And I think regardless of the view that you have, just I would encourage from what I've just read, um, as I understand, just my view, uh, but at least to be open to the significance that um, Israel may have mm -hmm. in God's purposes in, you know, in, in human history, you know, yeah. um, without necessarily having to have a hard and fast Absolutely. Um, one way or the other. And then the last point, and we'll close with this, is that in the kingdom, our kingdom values trump everything. Yeah. And those kingdom values, by the way, were the same values, they have not changed, that were given to the people of Israel that are part of the new covenant. Values like love, love for your enemies, pray for those that persecute you, justice, 
even for the foreigner. Um, you know, forgiveness for those that hurt, um, uh, you know, and, and, and even persecute you. Those kingdom values, righteousness, justice, love, forgiveness, mercy, those kingdom values trump everything. They were part of Israel's national law. It was part of how they were supposed to live under God. Yeah. It is part of the Christian church. It was given to us in Christ. Yeah. Um, and so when we look at the Middle Eastern situation, I, I don't have to take sides. If um, if an if a Israeli soldier opens fire on innocent civilians um, when you know, perhaps he was ordered not to whatever, but he was caught up in the moment. That is wrong. It yeah. is wrong any which way. It doesn't matter whether that soldier was Russian. It doesn't matter whether the soldier was American and so on. If you fire on innocent people, whatever, it's wrong. Yeah. Wherever there is oppression, we call it, we should call it. Whether it's, you know, whether it is in America, the land of the free and the home of the brave, or, or in Europe, or in our own country, or in Israel, it is wrong. As Christians, we should call that for what it is, mm. and that doesn't, and that almost supersedes our our view theologically. Yeah. Whether we are pro-Israel and we see Israel as a God still committed to His covenant to national Israel, I should still be able to say. But yeah. when the Israelis do this, it's wrong. Yes. Um, likewise, when the Palestinians threaten, you know, um, hostilities and Hamas gets involved and all the rest, we say that is wrong. Yeah. And we should be able to call it because yeah. kingdom values trump everything. Absolutely. I'm talking from a Christian point of view. Yeah, absolutely, um, yeah. Beyond the politics of the situation. That, and so I think if we did more of that, we wouldn't feel like we've got to support Israel no matter what, nor would we alienate our brothers and sisters in Palestine um, and the surrounding Arab countries who are born again, believe in Jesus just like us but feel marginalized and alienated yeah. because they would hear the Christian world saying that's not right. Yeah. And so I hope those four points, they've certainly helped me in my trying to navigate this mystery um, of the role of Israel, trying to be true to God's eternal purposes, both to his people and to the new covenant and, and trying to make sense of it all. Mm. And so just offer those as, as four pointers of, um, of unity in this whole um, complex discussion. Absolutely. Chef, thank you so much. Thank you so much for, for just bring, bringing some wisdom and bringing some perspective into, as you say, this very complex issue. And I think as we go, I think we, we could all just take a moment, um, maybe straight after you've listened to this, mm. just take a few minutes and just ask God to stir in your heart a spirit of humility and, and as a spirit of openness to, to hear others, to listen um, you know, it, that's also a very clear spiritual principle to be quick to listen. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, so let's do that. Let's practice that. Um, and, and just acknowledge that there are mysteries and that's okay. Absolutely. You have your views. Yeah. Do your due diligence. Read articles. Maybe you don't even like the tone of the article because it, yeah. it rattles your view. But that's how we become more mature in our thinking. Exactly. And our reasoning. And, um, and all of us are on a journey. None of us have it all figured out. So as we listen to podcasts like this, read articles and so on, we come to greater understanding. Greater understanding leads to patience and yes. you know, understanding of different positions and so on. While I hold to my views, yeah. maybe I tweak them a little bit. And so I hope that it's been helpful in that endeavor. Yeah, absolutely. 
So, hope that you've all enjoyed this. Um, and, and as always, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Um, whether you agree, disagree, whatever it may be, we'd love to hear your thoughts. But otherwise, stay safe and God bless. <laughs>